Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. I finished and went to wash my hands at the sink. Once Forty had turned on the water at his sink, I decided I was safe. I said, La Cheeserie, we had a brief discussion on the way out about Missouri sports, the TK show, and his children. I hope I correctly followed the celebrity in the restroom protocol. Do you remember this incident, Pat? <laughs> I hate to say this for old John, but it wasn't me. Wow. There's a Pat Forty impersonator out there, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> you better get the police on this. You better get the police on this. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. As Jeff Saturday would say, you need better security. <laughs> you need better security. All right, look, um, where's Kevin Sheehan when you need him? Okay, We didn't need Kevin Sheehan for the entire month of December. December was the warmest December in, in Washington, D.C. that anybody can remember. Last week I wasn't in Washington. I was in North Carolina and South Carolina where it was over 70 degrees. I got back to Washington, and over the weekend, it was in the high 50s and low 60s. I played golf yesterday. That's the last day of golf. <laughs> it's over. There's no golf for a couple of months. There's no golf. Yeah. Because winter has descended on Washington. I know that had Kevin done his winter weather forecast, he'd have said absolutely that on January 3rd, there'd be no snow. But there's going <laughs> yes. to be a lot of snow. Yes. Uh, Nigel is sitting here, which is a tremendous mistake. <laughs> it, it is now, let me give you an accurate read here. It is almost a quarter to eight in the morning on Monday morning, uh, January 3rd. Yes. Almost quarter to eight in the morning. Between eight and ten, all the local forecasts call for one, two, or three inches per hour. Washington, now I, will, I, I often wonder, why do people listen to this show? It can't be for the local weather. It just can't be. And yet, that's what you're going to get right now. You're going to get local weather in Washington, D.C. Um, a couple of days ago, I had one of those things where I am a compulsive weather checker of apps. Yes. Do it all the time. Have five different weather apps. I'm not Kevin. I'm not in the forecast business. No, but you like I to... I just want to know what's going to happen. Exactly. You like to know yeah, the lay of the land. So about two days ago... Two days ago, it said winter weather alert. And what it said was between the hours of six, I'm sorry, 4 a.m. today, Tuesday, between the hours of 4 a.m. and 10 a.m., Monday. a coating, Monday rather, Monday, between the hours of 4 a.m. and 10 a.m., a coating of snow at most, a coating, yeah. which is what we call conversational snow, which is what I like because it, it, it creates no problem. And what Melissa Molay and Doug Camera don't like, because they want they want you to have so much snow that your roof crashes through your house. Because they can say, "Look, look at all the snow! Isn't it great? Our kids can play in the snow." That's what they want. They want massive amounts of snow because they're weather and traffic people. Whereas I don't want any snow, anything but conversational snow. Yesterday, I was going to go play golf at ten o'clock, and I was up when I'm up, you know, in the six hour. And I turned on the local news on my way to ESPN and I saw some guy is it just just a guy I'd never seen this guy before on channel 4 I don't know his name he wasn't even wearing a tie he's wearing like a sports shirt and a sport jacket for all I know they dragged him in off the corner I have no idea who the guy is I have no idea and he said we're getting snow we're getting snow we're getting between one and four inches of snow and we're getting it essentially overnight, Sunday to Monday, and into Monday. He said it will be quick moving and it will be out of here by noon, but we're going to get one to four inches of snow. And the two guys who were sitting in the anchor chair were going, oh, no, uh -uh. who wants this? Who wants this? Well, that forced me, of course, to look at my phone much more and to do the smartest thing, which is to consult in the Washington Post, the Capitol Weather Gang. Who are fantastic. They know what they're doing. Yes. Now, the problem with the Capital Weather Gang is, is it is not always updated because they're not squirrels. <laughs> you know, they don't just sit there and <laughs> chew on things in front of you all the time. They're working on stuff. So every few hours it may get updated. And they, they use the boom or bust theory. They give you what they think is the range. And then they say it'll be boom, which is more than you want, mm -hmm. uh, if this happens. And it'll be bust or what I want, less than what they're saying, if this happens. Well, they went from 3 to 6 to 
to four to eight yesterday. Now, when you go four to eight, look, okay. If you, regardless of how you feel, eight inches is a lot of snow. That's a half a foot of snow, and that's not going away, especially in the next 10 days or so when the highs may get to around 40, but the lows are going to be in the teens, in the 20s. This is winter. We finally have winter. We were very lucky in Washington, and maybe where you live, you were very lucky in this regard. The three toughest months are December, which is the easiest of the three, January and February. February, I believe, is the toughest of the three most of the time. And you'll say, what about March? You can have big snows in March. Yes, you can, but you also have a higher sun angle in March. You also have 50-degree days in March. You might have a 60-degree day in March. So the snow is more likely to melt than it is in January or February. But regardless of how you feel about what might come, if you lived in Washington, D.C., you bought a full month. December didn't hurt you at all. Yep. Wasn't even cold particularly. A couple of days under freezing in the morning, but nothing during the day. Nothing. So you got a whole, you got a gratis month of no winter in terms of December. Now, I did talk to Kevin last week, and Kevin said, and he's, I swear he said this. He said winter's going to hit the first work week of January. So he's right on the money on that. Sure. No, he did. He said it. Yeah. He, no, I believe I, he I've, said it. I've known Kevin long That doesn't enough. mean he's right necessarily, <laughs> but he's right. It turns out he's right. Right. So we are now facing a situation in Washington where there's a minimum of four and a maximum of eight. And by the way, that's fluid. That changes. I got a call from my daughter last night where she lives. They're looking at eight to 12 in South Jersey. Oof. They're looking at eight to 12. Now, 12's a lot of snow. Eight's a lot of snow. Four, okay. Four, you say to yourself, I can live with this. Manageable. You know, four, I can get in my car. I can move around. The roads will be clear in a day or two. I can live with this. But you, eight, no. Eight's significant. And like I say, on a golf course, you know what they don't do on a golf course? They don't shovel the golf course. <laughs> so when snow falls and it stays cold, nobody's playing. Nobody's going out there putting the tee in the ground because you can't find the ground because there's too much snow on the ground. Even if you use one of those red golf balls, <laughs> it's not going to sit up high enough for you to hit it if there's snow. So that's, that's what we've got. So what level does the snow have to reach for you to feel comfortable to break out the cross-country skis? <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and go up and down my block like I'm in Norway. Uh, look outside the window now, blowing around now. Yeah. You're crazy to stay here. You got to get out of here. You got a car that's like one foot off the ground. It's a great German design car for the, for the bad weather. Yeah, I don't understand that because they have bad weather in Germany. <laughs> no, it really is awful in they the do. snow. They have bad yeah, weather. Yeah, I'm here now. You know, yeah, so we're, we're gonna we have extra bedrooms, <laughs> so we're not gonna worry. I about assumed it. I'd be staying in the little house yeah. if, if well, it came to that. You can stay in the little house if you want. <laughs> um, so let me let me just do one other thing. Let me just get to this before we get to Wilbon because Wilbon is gonna have no tolerance for Antonio Brown. <laughs> Oh, look, Eric Rideholm, the executive producer of the PTI show, often says to Mike and to me, do not characterize someone, characterize their behavior. Do not say someone is crazy. Say their behavior appeared to be crazy. You can draw your own conclusions from where I'm going. <laughs> Antonio Brown's behavior appeared to be crazy. This is not the first time in Antonio Brown's career that his behavior has appeared to be crazy. Even when he was on the Pittsburgh Steelers and not causing a problem, he would show up at training camp in giant trucks or, or airplanes or helicopters. Yeah. There was a lot of look at me with Antonio Brown. <laughs> a lot of look at me. And finally, he just left the Steelers. And Mike Tomlin was probably headed for the Hall of Fame. Mike Tomlin said of him, He's no longer on this team. He went to New England because Tom Brady has a soft spot for talent and a soft spot for Antonio Brown. And Tom Brady convinced Bill Belichick to bring Antonio Brown on, and he had a couple of touchdown catches. Yeah. But there came a point very quickly where Bill Belichick said, Antonio Brown is no longer on this team. <laughs> Bruce Arians wants to accommodate Tom Brady more than Bill Belichick does. Yes. And Bruce Arians put Antonio Brown on a team, and I think he caught a pass in the Super Bowl. He's part of a world championship team, Antonio yeah. Brown. But Antonio Brown's behavior yesterday, taking off his uniform in the middle of the game, throwing his jersey into the stands and walking off the field, 
That appeared to be crazy to me. Just to me. And not saying Antonio Brown is crazy. I'm saying his behavior appeared to be crazy. And Bruce Arians, after the game, was asked about him, and Bruce Arians said Antonio Brown is no longer on this team. <laughs> Which is something that if, if somebody wanted to, to knit a pillow for Antonio Brown's house, it should say Antonio Brown is no longer on this team. Now, Tom Brady, to his everlasting credit, was empathetic and sympathetic and hoped that Antonio Brown would get some help in the situation, which is basically what a lot, a lot of people say that. Get some help in the situation. Antonio Brown doesn't seem to have gotten help. Maybe he has tried. Maybe it hasn't worked. If you're asking me, do I think anybody else is like this? Oh, I do, Kyrie Irving. Oh, I certainly do. I think he's a terrible teammate. I think he's great talent. I understand why people bend over backwards to accommodate that talent. But I think he's a terrible teammate. He's not dependable. Antonio Brown is not dependable. This is not tennis or golf where it's all about you. It's a team sport where it's all about everybody. He's not dependable. Neither of them is dependable. Why do you want him? Why does Kevin Durant want Kyrie Irving? Why does Tom Brady want Antonio Brown? Because they are great players themselves, and they see greatness. And they say, if I could only harness this, we got to be better with this guy. And you are better with this guy until this guy appears to act crazy and you don't have him anymore. And then sometimes it's even worse than if you didn't have him at all. Because you spend too much of your energy wondering, what could I have done to make this work? And the answer most of the time is nothing. That the responsibility lies with the person who appears to be acting crazy. Michael Wilbon will join us when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the X-Chair read. You may love your work, but do you love your office chair? Well, you would if you got an X-Chair. With an X-Chair, you can actually look forward to sitting in your office because your body will feel so much more supported and comfortable. More comfort means more productivity. Helping your X-Chair pay for itself thanks to how much more work you'll be getting done every day. And if you're feeling tight or stressed, just turn on the Elamax feature, the massage feature. You choose from four different massage options. If the office is running too hot or too cold, just flip on the Elamax temperature regulation and either heat or cool your lower back. And once you feel the customized support of X-Chair's patented dynamic variable lumbar, or as we insiders call it, the DVL, <laughs> your back will never be happy in any other chair again. Try X-Chair for yourself, risk-free for 30 days. Once you realize how much better your chair should be, you will never go back. Go to xchairtony.com now. That is the letter X, chair, T-O-N-Y, dot com, or call 1-844-4X-CHAIR for $100 off your order. X-CHAIR has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. xchairtony.com. Use the code, people. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a group called the Fire Jets. This is a song called Walking on the Moon, sent to us by Phil Beaver, a retired colonel in the U.S. Army, who's one of the fire jets. And he says, it's so great to reconnect. You may never have known we were connected. But I read the post every morning when I was stationed in the Pentagon from 2001 to 2008 when I retired after a 25-year Army career. I'm now in Denver where I have to read Mark Kisler to get snarky commentary on sports life and everything but a friend. A West Point classmate and a D.C. native just brought your podcast to my attention, so I've tuned in. In particular, he mentioned your jingles. He suggested reaching out. After my military career, teaching over 10 years at DU and being involved in a number of businesses, I've returned to my passion. I've decided to try my hand at being a rocker. Isn't that what we all wanted to do when we were in high school? I wrote an album, assembled some incredible talent from the local Denver music scene, recorded and released our first LP in 2021. We are the Fire Jets, and our album is called Cosmos. They'll have a second song later. This is Walking on the Moon. It plays in Michael Wilbon. And I got something else. Before we get to Wilbon, I'm going to read this. This is from Doug Adams, who writes... Oh, no, no, no. Not this one. I'm sorry. That's for later in the show. Doug Adams is later in the show. This one is from Abraham in Silver Spring. And he writes, This past January 1st, I worked the opening shift of the CVS I worked part-time at. 
My shift began at 7 a.m., which coming off of a little less than four hours sleep due to the celebration of New Year's the night before meant I was extra groggy than usual. Luckily, it seemed like just about everyone felt the same as the store had very few customers than what I'm accustomed to seeing on a typical Saturday morning. Towards the end of my six-hour shift, a middle-aged man approached the counter with the last two copies of that day's Washington Post. He said he wanted to buy multiple copies because the Post wrote a piece on his uncle, who recently passed away. I offered my condolences for his loss, and out of curiosity, I asked, what was your uncle's name? The man said Sam Jones. Played for the Celtics. Used to live just down the street from here. While Sam Jones won the last of his 10 NBA titles 32 years before I was even born, I immediately recognized the name and I knew of his basketball stardom. A recent internet search revealed to me that Sam Jones spent a good amount of years post-retirement living in Silver Spring and even substituted at some Montgomery County schools. I've lived in Silver Spring my entire life. I had no idea a fellow resident of this chunk of Route 29 that I call home happened to be a 10-time NBA champion. Do you have any interesting tidbits or stories about Sam Jones that you're willing to share on the show? Perhaps Wilbon does as well. Perhaps Wilbon does as well. Michael Wilbon joins us, and he's going to tell you stuff about Sam Jones that I didn't know. Go ahead. Well, Tony, um, Sam Jones um, played golf with my father-in-law for years. And they were socially, they were just in a social circle or several social circles that overlapped. And I got the benefit of that. Um, Sam Jones is not the only one. We were talking about Sam Jones, but in that circle, and you knew a couple of these. Bobby yeah. Mitchell was more than in that circle. I've, I've, I've said, and I know I said when, when sadly when he passed away uh, about a year or so ago, uh, that Bobby Mitchell is a person who, in my house, was called by my wife Uncle Bobby or Mr. Mitchell, but often Uncle Bobby. And I, I knew this, you know, obviously in real time going back. Because you're talking about, like, two of the great, <laughs> two of the great athletic stars of all time: Bobby Mitchell, That's right. Sam Hall Jones. Of famous. I got to, I I got to play golf with them because my father-in-law would invite me. And this is back when I first started playing, so this is in the late '90s and early aughts. And sometimes I would just show up, and it's 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 you know Bobby Mitchell and Sam Jones. Are you kidding me? For somebody my age who who grew up watching them and 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 they were just princes of men. They they were, you know, sort of uh, larger than life in just life. And I don't mean the sports part of it. And Sam was involved with uh, D.C. public schools and just everything. I, I, I was so fortunate to get to be able. Uh, to just interact with them, to listen to them, to be on a, a golf trip or two with them. And um, so, uh, you know, the, Sam Jones' death hit me like it did. Not not quite like Bobby Mitchell, uh, but someone I knew other than his. One more time, Tony, it's worth saying. Ten championship Ten. rings. Ten. 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 Okay, so that he, he was said great player. about a handful of people. So it's it, Bill Russell, of course, is the greatest of the Celtics. He's greater even than Larry Bird. He's the greatest of the Celtics. But Bill Russell, what a gift to be able to know that if I want to throw an outlet pass, I've got for the first five or six years, I got Kuzi and Charmin. For the next five or six years, I got Sam and KC. Right, Wilbon? Was there ever yeah. a better collection yeah. of guards than that to play with one no. guy ever? No, no. And then they're all in the Hall of Fame. That and add to that, he, Russell probably played I don't know three, four years with Havlicek. Havlicek. Yeah. And, you know, so this was this was just it was so cool. And, and I'm going to mention there's another person I, I better not not mention that my father-in-law. Uh, Pete Watkins, doctor, as in dentist, it's Pete Watkins. So people still come up to me who went to my father-in-law's dental practice on Georgia Avenue, the district for years, decades. Uh, that person's name would be Oscar Robertson. So there are times where, particularly if, you know, early on after Cheryl and I got married, that the phone might ring after maybe a column or after a crazy game or something happened. And I pick up the phone, and it's like, Mike, uh, yeah, hello? It's Oscar. Yeah, well, you don't need a last name. <laughs> Oscar. No. no. Who? It. What? One guy. Oscar. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Oscar. And so, so it was just 
you know, I mean, you talk about dining out on your in-laws' yeah. relationships. Uh, and that was just, you know, they, 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 they seemed to be completely at ease with me tagging along uh, for golf or for whatever. It was, it was golf. That's what those guys did. They didn't go to lunch. They didn't go to the Palm. That wasn't what they did. And so for me, uh, you know, hearing, hearing, hearing Mr. Jones died, was, that was, that's tough. It's, it's, it's Good a, long it's, life, 88 years old. 88 years old. Absolutely. All right, let's get to the sports over the weekend and the last few days. Let's start. Uh, we'll have Chuck Culpepper on later to go into greater depth, but let's start with the college playoffs. And let me, let me just set this up this way. Cincinnati deserved to be in the playoffs. They were undefeated. They beat Notre Dame at Notre Dame, and Notre Dame was ranked in the top five or six. They, they deserved to be there. Michigan beat Ohio State. and They stunk against Michigan State, but they beat Ohio State. They deserve to be there. They got killed by the top of the SEC. Killed. What are your thoughts on this? You know, Tony, I went into the weekend, um, you know, after Christmas Day, I, you know, we hit, well, I had, you know, 14-hour day in the studio in, in New York City, the seaport, uh, yeah. with the NBA. And so Sunday morning, uh, at literally at 4 o'clock, I got like an hour and a half sleep, at 4 a.m., I was in a car headed to uh, Newark to get a flight to Phoenix, where I was going to spend this whole last week, which I have. And the thing that I was most excited about was, of course, the college basketball, the two semifinals on college football. Friday. College football, not basketball. College football. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, college yeah. football. Yes, yes, yes. Even yeah. though it is set up to be like a Final Four, like college yep. basketball. Yep. So that's what I was the most excited about. And Tony, about... 20 minutes into, into each game, I was done. It just sits. Yeah, it's over. Done. It's over. You and I talked about one of those days. I don't know which I mean, one of those games. But I was done. I was done. And, and I wasn't alone here. Um, you know, um, Matthew's here. He's, he's at that age now, almost 14, where college sports really have made a dent for him. Because, you know, you get to be the age. He actually knows some kids who now play college sports. Personally, he knows them. So he's into it. And Matthew and, I'm sorry, Jordan and Don were here. And still here. And we had, you know, it wasn't a house full. It wasn't a, you know, you know, uh, uh, event spreader. It wasn't that. We, we had his family and maybe one or two other people who are fanatics about, about these, these games. And Tony, I was done. I have no thoughts. It's like, okay, and it's nobody's fault, by the way. We, I think, I think we all thought that that could happen with Cincinnati and Alabama. I think we all thought that. Yeah, but they deserved, hoping, they deserved the they chance. Deserved they did. In, yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So that was, you know, you, you knew it was going to happen, or you thought it could happen. I, I was hoping it wouldn't happen with Georgia and Michigan, although I thought it could, and it did. Seriously, I'm not sure. I don't think I made it through either one of those games to halftime. And it, I checked back because I'm sitting on a wall of three televisions here. I could check back. And I, I, I watched the NBA. People say, oh, you're the NBA fanatic. Well, yeah, I'm a fanatic overall. Because whoever is a college football fanatic and says that to me, I consume more college football than them, whoever they are. If they don't coach or scout it, I consume more than they do of college football. And I just said, you know, <laughs> I'm out now. I'm out. And it was cold. Nah, it was cold and blustery in Arizona, the kind of days where it's rare, where you could say, you know what, I don't need to go outside, blustery and cloudy. And then I had the DeMar DeRozan doubleheader. So I didn't care. I didn't care about those games. Once DeRozan teed up the first game, I just I could care less about those games, Tom. And I did well, watch on New To Year's be Day. fair, I did. I did. Yeah, to be fair, you care about DeMar DeRozan very specifically because he's on the Bulls now, and the Bulls are one of the two or three most surprising teams in the NBA so far. So you have fan interest in that. Oh that's not God, just professional yes, interest. I would have watched, well, that's, I okay. watched that anyway. I mean, just if that had happened with the Bucks. I would have. It, it's it's something that's never happened before in the history of, of basketball. Larry Bird back to back game games. winners. No one's done it back to back days. Yeah. So that right. that 
gave me the excitement that I had been looking for when I got on the plane and came out here. Sadly, it wasn't. The semifinals, man, they've been mostly blowouts, haven't they? Over the years, that's why they're afraid to put Notre Dame in there because they lose 40-2. to two. Yeah, on th- the next day, yeah. the Ohio State game and the Notre Dame game good. were both great to watch. They don't mean that anything, but, but they were great to watch. There was just so much scoring. And then yesterday, yesterday, I, if I had to rank the most surprising thing, I think I'd say Cincinnati beating Kansas City in a high-scoring game because you and I both have seen Cincinnati when when they're in a position to do something great dissolve. Like dogs. Yes, dogs. and they did not. And 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 you, you, you when you the look least at, dependable team in pro sports is the Cincinnati Bengals. And when you look at their combination, their LSU connection, Joe Burrow to DeMar Chase, you say to yourself, you know what? This could be ten years here. This could be greatness, right? You say it. It could be greatness. You know what, Tony? I, I had not thought of it until you said it yesterday to me on the phone. And while I'm not going to disagree with you, I'm not. I'm not going to disagree because they have the talent to do that, to do exactly, to be exactly what you just said. But this, this, this the Bengals, I can't, I can't yeah. go there yet. Not even, I'm not even going to next week with the Bengals. Because <laughs> yeah, I agree. You know, I thought it was I agree. Joe Burrow with the cigar. I'm like, okay, all right, I see you. I see you, dude. I'm not, I'm not willing to, you know, and yesterday, first of all, the bizarre nature of that game. Are you kidding me? The guy keeps going on fourth down. What are you we doing? Can, kick the field goal. What are you doing? That would make no sense. And kick a field goal to it. No, no, doing? let's keep going for it. Let's what risk fumble. Let's risk loss of five yards. Let's risk it all. And so I think this was insanely stupid. Like, I think much of the decision-making by NFL coaches is, but it was God. You couldn't get more entertaining. No, it's tremendous. Like yeah. even Romo said. Romo said after after they got the reprieve, he said, right. "Don't go for it again." <laughs> Kicked a field goal. He went again. He went again. It went again, Just, and was... it was it really it really was the entertainment because that that was you know look this is the end of the NFL season. And by the way, Tony, I hope you are going to agree with one thing. The NFL season is too damn long now. Well, it's going to get one game longer within the next two years. It's going to go to 18. Yes, 17. It should have wrapped. 16 happens to be perfect. Yes. (laughs) It's perfect. It's symmetry. Every division has four teams. 16 is perfect. It is. It's awful. It is now torture. So I don't want to hear people say that the NHL and NBA seasons are too long. Uh, they up. are too long. Well, they <laughs> okay, are too okay, long. Okay, they are. They are. For, yeah. But for, the, for, the, for all the people who, you know, defend the shield, and there are a great many, the, no, the were... NFL season, the special thing about the NFL season was that there was a premium on the product. Now there's not. Now it's, it's, just it's like too long. Else. It's going to go to it's 18. The NBA should be 60. The show. NHL should be 60. And baseball should be what it is, because baseball is different. Because it's an everyday deal. Baseball yeah, is different. Yeah, and now, I can live with. I like the baseball. Now, now <laughs> these others are too long. Like, where I, are we? Where are we now? I took a lot of heat, deservedly so. About six weeks into the season, about the L.A. Rams, I'm beginning to feel a little better about the L.A. Rams right now. What do you think? Well, I told you like three or four weeks ago. Once the Cardinals became dogs, and that was a surprising win yesterday for the Cardinals for me. Dallas in Dallas, and they beat in them. Dallas. They beat them. The, you know, yeah. Dallas. It's just, so yeah, I Dallas don't know. I don't know. I think the Rams are still. Who the Rams have next week to close out and win the division? Because the Cardinals can still win the division. I have no idea who the Rams have. None. And Tony, you know, you know, we know, we don't have any idea because the season's too damn long. Because we wouldn't um, have thought this before. We would have known. It's too long. I am, I am surprised. I mean, I'm, I'm happy there's one extra team in the playoffs, but I'm surprised. I'm surprised that Tennessee <clears throat> is now sitting on the number one. I'm surprised at that. Well, uh, Rams, I mean, at, Rams at home against San Francisco next week to finish out. San Francisco needs to win to yeah, be in the playoffs. Yeah, but then, well, San Francisco is not going to win. Um, these aren't your daddy's Niners. They're not even your big brother's Niners. 
Um, so I, I don't think I don't think the Forty Nineers have much of a chance in that game. But yeah, Tony, um, I, the entry playoff team, eh, I guess it was perfect. Unlike the other sports, this was perfection, and they killed it. Greed killed it. Not only that, you know, they have to come out and say, well, we, we really do think of safety. And No, you don't. You're liars. You're liars. Well, they don't think of safety don't at all. Think of safety. No. You the think ratings the are check, great. The extra week. Yeah, yeah. And so, but yeah. going back to your point about, about uh, Tennessee, I, you know, I guess, Tony, there's nobody out there that's great. Not this year. We've been saying this. We've been saying this. There's sparks of greatness. There's sparks of greatness. Every I was a little bit surprised, just a little bit surprised, that Aaron Rodgers and you know they killed Minnesota. Minnesota is a, a terribly disappointing team, and they didn't have cousins yeah, again, and, and all of that. Again, I'm yeah, but that. but I would say this: Aaron Rodgers. They said this at the beginning of the telecast that he said this week that Devontae Adams is the best player he ever played yeah. with. How about that? that? Surprised me a little bit, didn't it? Surprise you a little bit? Um, it surprised me that he said it. Not not maybe that he feels that way. Um, you know, it's like when Larry Bird at one point said, he just came out and said, Dennis Johnson is the best teammate I've ever had. And you yeah. go, oh my God. Like, like, like that's a, okay, it's Larry Bird, so he says it, it's Aaron Rodgers. So saying, but then you think, well, wow, if you're, if you're McHale and Chief, what are you, what are you feeling yeah, what are you right now? You what are you know? <laughs> I mean, you who's going to the Hall of Fame. I mean, wow. That he said it is the, you know, that was the capital for me, personally. Indicates to me a chance that he'll stay there. Indicates to I me. I don't know. I don't, I'm not reading tea leaves another year on Aaron Rodgers. I don't, I'm not playing that game for, from now till training camp. I, first of all, I don't give a damn where he plays. I really don't. Aaron Rodgers has sort of, his star has not diminished at all. But his, I don't know. His, I, I, I have Aaron Rodgers fatigue. And I don't have it because he's a member of the Packers, because I've said many times to you and everywhere I'd say stuff that Aaron Rodgers is my favorite quarterback, even though he's a Packer. It's sort of disgusting that that's true. But I'm not going to play that game. And there's going to be resistance. Tony, you won't want to hear this. There's going to be resistance when we have to play this game on PTI all the time. What do you think is going to happen to Aaron Rodgers? Here's going to be my answer. I don't know. I don't give a damn. He'll play. That's fine. He'll play. He'll I mean, I like great. to play those games. I like that. I played the LeBron James game for years. <laughs> I did. So, yeah, he, way, he interests me. Play, he interests me. You play, he does. Well, listen, if Aaron Rodgers interests me, he interests me when he's playing. I don't care about his, you know, his, his stage plays, his soliloquies, who he's engaged to. I don't, I don't care about any of that. I want to see Aaron Rodgers play. Other than that, I don't. I don't care. And so that that is what has happened because we did this for one year already. I'm not That's going right. to do that every day for another year. And by the way, don't worry, there won't be a show you, that long. Let me ask you that. <laughs> get rid of us. Do you think we can wind up doing this with LeBron James? Yeah, I think we. I think when there are compelling figures, I think we spend far too much time on Kyrie Irving. But I understand why people want you know, to hear it. I think it. he's probably a compelling figure, Tom. That's what I'm saying. I, I I'm saying that. You know, yeah. Um, I spared you having to talk about Antonio Brown. I opened the show with it myself, <laughs> so you don't have oh to talk about God. Antonio Brown. Antonio oh Brown, God. not as compelling as Kyrie Irving, because it's football. You, because it's football. Okay, it's a we, helmet. It's different. So it, it, it's different. It, somebody must have gone to Tom Brady in real time and said, "Look, I know this is your boy." But yeah, but he's he's nuts. out. He's out. <laughs> and Brady, from the sounds of Brady's press conference, he didn't want to say it. But it sounds like he had made a he had made his peace with it. I I, yeah. I think that's true. And he is now looking for help for Antonio Brown. But yeah, but we can't. I, I that is a waste of our time. He but, is a waste of our time see, at this okay, point. Okay, you and I agree. But On you this know one. we're gonna there's gonna be an Antonio Brown story in the eighth, and I almost yeah. don't want to do it because I, I think he's just sort of. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be as harsh as I was because Brady's asked for. You know, understanding, and a lot of people have. He's not the only one. But I, I don't care. I don't want to give time to Antonio Brown. I don't think Here who's, here's Brown who is not asked for understanding. I, I agree with you. Here's who's not asked for any understanding. I'm going to give you three names because they don't care Mike Tomlin, Bill Belichick, and Bruce Arians. 
get them out of here is what they're thinking. Right? Right? Yes. Can't have yeah. it. Tony, this should Can't be our, our, our segment on Antonio Brown. Let's say yeah, you, you read it. If you read it to me, this is what I'm going to say. I am more sick and tired of Antonio Brown than anybody in sports. He is whatever the problems are. I wish he finds help. But he has been a bigger pain as anybody in sports to multiple teams. And now let's move on to the next story. That's right. That it's on to Cincinnati. It should be a <laughs> That's thirty on to Cincinnati. A thirty-second story on Antonio Brown. Who I'd put wanted. him in the big finish. Big finish. Antonio I, Brown you know, walked off the field. Him. What do you think? Don't care. Yeah. Let's go. Don't care. All right. I'll talk to you later. Talk to you later. All right, Tom. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls. Uh, we will come back with Chuck Kel- Chuck Culpepper. A deep dive into the college football playoffs. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Shopify read. Shopify is more than a store. Connect with your customers, drive sales, manage your day-to-day. Shopify instantly lets you accept all major payment methods. Shopify has thousands of integrations and third-party apps, from on-demand printing to accounting to advanced chatbots to and beyond. Now, this is where I'd normally call on Michael. (laughs) Michael's not here. I'd say, Michael, what is this? And he would say, this is really good for your business. And I would say, good. Supercharge your knowledge, your sales, and your success. Discover endless possibility. Shopify is tirelessly reinventing tools of growth for over 1.7 million, wow, million businesses, helping them succeed every day. Shopify believes in liberating commerce for all because entrepreneurship has the power to drive communities forward and commerce can be a force for good. I agree with that. Yes. I do. I agree with that. Wholeheartedly. Discover your possible. Shopify unlocks the opportunity of your business to more people every day. Every 28 seconds, an entrepreneur like you, like you, not me, <laughs> makes their first sale on Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash Tony K. That's all in lowercase. Shopify.com slash Tony K. For a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. We'd be crazy not to do this. It's free, people. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to Shopify.com slash Tony K right now. One more time. Shopify.com slash Tony K. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. From Denver, Colorado, here is retired Colonel Phil Beaver and his band, The Fire Jets. Says, I certainly understand how you are... (laughs) Excuse me, reluctant to show the Denver Broncos any love this season. But we thought it might be nice if you wanted to show some love to a Denver band. And indeed we do. This is called Comet. It plays in Chuck Culpepper. Nigel, if if bands want to send us their original music, which you can listen to at the end of the show without me talking over it, how do they do it? You can send us uh, your original songs to uh, jingles at com. We'd love to hear them. Please make it your music, not like your friends or something like that, because we need your permission to do that. But please, uh, jingles at com. All righty. Chuck Culpepper joins us now. He was at the Georgia-Michigan game, which was equally stinking <laughs> to the Cincinnati-Alabama game. They were bad. You wrote a, a wonderful lead about that it was the game you were at was a dud. They were both they were both bad. I was just talking to Wilbon about this, and I'll say exactly the same thing to you that I said to him. I don't doubt for a second that Cincinnati earned its way in. They beat Notre Dame at Notre Dame. They didn't lose any games. Okay, they, they earned their way in, but they don't belong. I don't doubt that Michigan earned its way in, even though they got beat badly by Michigan State. They beat Ohio State. That's a big-time deal to beat Ohio State, but they didn't belong. The top of the SEC may as well be the NFL, and I'll just leave it open-ended to you. What do you think about all that? I don't know what they're going to do about it. I don't know what can be done about it. It's obvious, Mm. and you know those two semifinals looked a lot like most of the other ones through the years. Cincinnati, for example, looked no worse than Washington, against Alabama and Atlanta that time or, or you know, in Notre Dame against Clemson or Notre Dame against Alabama. You know, well, it, Notre Dame against anybody. I know. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, I don't know what they're going to do about it. I mean, and you look at the recruiting rankings and it just looks like more of the same is coming. I guess you could, could say there's a construct where it'd be fascinating to see if anybody can, can work their way into – you know, into the top rung like that, like LSU did once. And that could be interesting in a long term. But I don't, 
I, you know, in general, I, I thought college football was better when, you know, you might have USC playing Texas and, and from t- different regions and the regions mingled together and you figure out which region. I, I thought that was a great aspect to the sport. Now you have a regional final. You have Georgia and Alabama. I'm not saying they're not great. When the NFL draft comes along, you know they're going to send 15 guys to the NFL this year. They do every right. single year. But I don't – and I, I'm going to watch it. Of course I'm going to watch it. And it may be a great game. But I've seen it before and not just this year. I've seen it for a lot of years, and I'm not – what's the word we used when we were kids? Stoked. I'm not stoked for this one. How about you, Chuck? <laughs> I'm stoked to see the eye-popping level of talent that's going to be on the field. Yes, but yeah. but no, I yeah. want I want the the West Coast to be part of the sport. I want you know it used to be the Nebraska won titles, Penn State. You know, um, I, I would I I do think it's a it's a downer. I do wonder if I'm a bit of an outlier on that. If you look at the TV ratings numbers, we had three title games between Bama and Clemson. And they all did about the same pretty good number, 25 million viewers, 26 million. It's a lot. Uh, the first it's Alabama lot. Georgia one did 28 million. Um, if, if I don't know how long that can hold on with the same teams uh, going, but it's held on so far pretty well. Um, yeah. So I sometimes wonder if I'm too grumpy about it myself, but I, I was just not, as excited as I might be. I want to get to the notion of Cincinnati and and people who wrote all year long, to, much to my great annoyance when it became clear that Cincinnati was going to be in this. They read, oh, the committee will never give a school like that a break. Oh, they'll put in a three-loss team ahead of Cincinnati. Well, now they put in Cincinnati. And Cincinnati carried the flag for Boise State and for BYU and for Central Florida. They carried the flag, and then they stabbed themselves in the chest with the flag. They stunk. They were not on that level. Do you think this will have any carryover for a committee down the road that will say, no, no, these teams that are not in the Power Five, they're just not good enough? I don't think it will. I think if there's somebody who comes along like a Houston one time, or, a, mm-hmm. you know, or, or, or a, I don't know if it's going to be Boise anymore, but, um, you know, just somebody from that, from that uh, layer of the game. I, th- I, think it's, I think it's going to be evaluated the same way I really do. And I, I always thought that the, the commentary that, oh, they'll never do this was wrong. I think they were going to do it in 2016 if Houston, which beat Oklahoma to start the season, if Houston had sustained – it's unbeaten record. I thought they were going to get in. And, uh, of course, they had lost to Na- at Annapolis to Navy by the time the committee first met. So, mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. then one more time. So I thought – I always thought that was wrong. I always thought there was a formula for a team like Cincinnati, which is to beat a top-10 team, as it did in Notre Dame, even on the road this year, and then to, to uh, win the rest of its games. And I think that formula uh, stays put. I think it's. I think the committee can look at it and say, as we were saying, that Cincinnati was no worse than a slew of other teams in these games. Okay, let me get to the other game, the game that you went to, the Georgia-Michigan game. I thought the game yeah, was over <clears throat> very, very early when Harbaugh went on fourth down. They're down seven nothing. He goes on fourth down, fourth and three. They don't make it. Georgia goes right down the field. It's fourteen nothing. And honestly, I said, but I'm done. I'm done. Did you have that same feel when you're watching it? Oh yes, it was done. It was done. It, I couldn't see the George at, at 17 nothing. I was absolutely certain, but at 14 nothing, yeah, it was. It was. I started to try to think up things to say, and it was. It was startling to me that how the Georgia offense looked, and by the time it was 14 nothing, Stetson Bennett had already thrown the ball to seven different receivers. That I didn't expect to see coming out of that. They had prepared for it really, really well. And um, and they had, you know, they were faster. It just was so striking when it gets on the field. And I, I actually thought that it was going to be a great game and that Michigan, the, the way had Michigan had looked 
at Ohio State and Iowa games, the way it had looked, I thought, meant that this was going to be, this game could be really something. So, yes, by 14 nothing, um, it was very clear. So let, let me get to some of the sort of philosophical questions. We did this with Pat Forty on Friday, and now I'm going to do it with you. Why, why does the NCAA, why do they continue to show outrageously high respect for these traditional bowl games that now mean absolutely nothing except to the teams that are in them, and not even sometimes to the players who, if they have NFL prospects, don't even bother to play? I'm not, look, those were, a couple of games were great. Fiesta Bowl was great. Rose Bowl was great. Great entertainment. But they mean nothing. Why are they played after the semifinals? Why do you dilute your the, you know the 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 stuff you have that the product that's the best? Why do they do that? I think this gets into the old power of the bowls that was always so baffling about this sport. It to me, that's almost a continuation of everything that's happened in the sport for 152 years. You know, well, many yeah. of the 152 years. It's it's there, there have just always been things about it that have been eccentric. And, and, and that's certainly one. And this, it, but it's just, to, to me, you know, that that's shows the power of the Rose Bowl still, I think, that it can hold down that spot, even when it's a game that, you know, that doesn't matter nationally toward the playoff. Um, and I don't know what kind of ratings it did the other day, but I think the, I'm always shocked by how, how well bowls draw on TV. And that's that's the reason there's so many of them, and so oh, I think there's, there's no question about this. Well, I mean, we, yeah. we you know we are the highest PTI is the highest rated studio show on ESPN, regardless of how low the numbers are. We are the highest rated show. They would put on, and they should put on a bowl game between two O and fifteen teams <laughs> instead of us, because it will triple and quadruple our rating. Because people like to, I'm not saying they don't like to watch. I'm saying if I had a product that led to a championship game, I would not undercut my semifinals by putting them on New Year's Eve before bowl games that don't mean anything now. Who makes these decisions? I, I, I would not either. And, and they're, they're trying to give as much cushion between the semis and the final as they can. They're trying to to offset that thought that, okay, there's too many games now for these young men to play, you know, for their bodies. Um, they're trying to, you know, set it up where there's a big gap in there. You know, if, right. if you wanted to go maximum, you, you would put it on, you know, one week before, I guess, after every single yeah. bowl game. But um, I, that's, that's what I, I would that's do. Part of it. Yeah. That's what I would I do. That, I mean, I, you know, that's what I would do. And plus, you know, I think next year, New Year's Day is a Sunday, which means you're up against the NFL. You're going to lose. That's something you're going to lose down the road. Did you watch? I don't know if you did. Did you watch the Notre Dame um, Oklahoma State game by any chance? Yes, very much of it. Yes. Why did the Notre Dame coach go? There's two thirty left in the game. He's got all three timeouts. He goes on fourth deep in his own territory. Why doesn't he punt? Am I the only one who wondered that? Because the TV guy said, oh, yeah, you can go here. I didn't think you should go. I didn't. What do you think? At, the, at that moment, I remember thinking you have to go. But listening okay. to you, I'm, I'm, and then, you know, then they stopped them and held them to a field yeah. goal. And, but, but listening to you, I'm thinking, yeah, at the moment, I thought they were in a, a situation of great desperation. So and it, it all been this, the onslaught had come against them. But, um. Yeah, I think you you make sense there because, you know, because because of what we saw afterward, how they did stop them easily and, and yeah, so I think they it scored a touchdown. To they scored a touchdown. On the other hand, if you're the coach of Notre Dame now, that's your first game. The players love you beyond words. They love you. The offense loves you because you were willing to do that. So those games were so much better. The Ohio State game in the Notre Dame, they were so much better than the day before. They really were. And I didn't care about them. And they were so much better. I don't know. I'm, I just feel like a dope screaming about this. But college football, it is, what is the word hidebound? 
Is that the word? I mean, the notion that they would just ignore the sort of reality of of what fans want. They don't even care. They all they care about is the guy in the blazer, you know, who's selling the bowl game, right, Chuck? That's all they care about. Well, know. and they've it, it's and, and to think that this is the best system the sport has ever had. Yes, no, it is. It's, it's striking. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it is. This is. All right, thank you there, so much for being on. Thank you. I, I will forward. talk before the uh, Georgia-Alabama game, okay? Oh, oh, thank you so much, Tony. Thank you. Good, good. Chuck Culpepper, read his stuff. Yeah. He can really – he owns a game story, kids. He owns it. He's really good. We'll take a break. We will have email and jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. As we often say, it would be enough if we gave you Chuck Todd, but we give you Monkey also. It would be enough if Ian Warrington was just a musician. He's an emergency room doctor. Yes, he's an emergency room doctor. <laughs> All right, do you want to do the Bethesda Bagel Sand? You brought bagel sandwiches today. Bagel sandwiches. We love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in, and you'll be thrilled. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say you can dance. Every dance with the guy who gives you the eye, let him hold you tight. You can smile. Every smile for the man who held your hand neath the pale moonlight. But don't forget who's taking you home and in whose arms you're going to be. So, darling, save the last dance for me. That's the Drifters, I believe. That is. It's one of the all-time great songs. There was a woman named Demita Joe who did a follow-up. Oh, really? Which was, I'll save the last dance for you. For those of you old enough to remember, you'd be in your 80s like me. (laughs) Thanks to our guests today, Michael Wilbon and Chuck Culpepper. Thanks to today's sponsors, X-Chair and Spotify. Remember, you can listen to us. Hmm? Did I write Spotify? Yeah, Shopify. Oh, Shopify. That's a typo. Shopify. No, no, I wrote it. I got it wrong. Okay. I just automatically said Spotify because they gave Simmons so much money. <laughs> it's Shopify. <laughs> and remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. Uh, for those of you who wondered, leaving on a Wednesday afternoon to Christmas week going south on 95 <laughs> is not a good idea. Next time, leave earlier and go for the 22 bucks and take the express lanes. Shabbat Shalom and a healthy and happy new year to you and your family, DG. <laughs> Just in case you wonder. There we go. From Doug Adams. I started to read this before. My wife, Lori, formerly Sherwood, and I were evacuated from her home last Thursday. Our, our community was ravaged by fires. A timeline. This is from Colorado. 12.30 p.m. learned of a fire from a community Facebook post. 12.40 p.m. jumped in the car to go to an overlook point a mile from our house. 12.45 to 12.55 witnessed open flames and 100-mile-an-hour wind gusts pushing fire into homes and a commercial area. 1 p.m., arrived back home to learn from another community Facebook group post that a townwide evacuation order had been issued. 1.50 p.m., evacuated the house with our kids, pets, and three different cars. At the same time, police arrived on our street to clear the houses. We've been in a hotel since, and while 991 homes were destroyed, ours remains standing. I wanted to thank all the littles who've reached out. We're safe and hopefully we'll be home soon. I would encourage people to support the communities of Superior and Louisville in any way they can. Thank you, and the cheesery. That's from Doug Adams. From Leonard Katz, dentist. As the unofficial Bellevue Hospital chief dental resident of Tony Kornheiser podcast, (laughs) I've been proudly wearing my Mr. Tony black hat with orange riding around Manhattan for almost six months now. Riding my city bike up and down the Upper West Side through Times Square into the beautiful First Avenue of New York City, I haven't gotten one person to give me a shout-out or a Tony salute. Not one. What are we even doing here? (laughs) Any littles who need dental work, come to Bellevue at your own risk. Please read my name on the air. We haven't heard from Mike from Burke for a while. He's now Mike from Charlottesville, Virginia. And he writes... Greetings, old man. Mike from Burke here. As I'm retired now, I do not generally listen to the episodes of the pod when they're fresh out of the oven, but I did today, and I had a good bit of driving to do. Now then, did you seriously say that the Washington-Dallas NFL rivalry is near the top of the heap? What's behind them? The Jags and the Lions? How large is that heap? It's not 1972, Seth. Sincerely, Mike, now of Charlottesville, Virginia. P.S. Happy holidays and all that. From Maureen, my friend Maureen. Dear Mr. Tony, 
It is indeed not too late to get revenge on that Washington ballet punk who upstaged you years ago in the Nutcracker. The role of ambassador is available to you anytime between now and the end of the run at the Warner Theater, and that punk is still in the company. I can hook you up. Happy holidays, Maureen. If not for COVID, I'd be down there tonight. Yes. If not for COVID. A haiku from Cher for driving the highways and byways. Between white knuckle and parking lot, 95, gonna 95. <laughs> That's very true. From yes. Joe Pearson in Indianapolis, Indiana. Before the mailbag the other day, you mentioned the duets version of Summer Wind, but you weren't sure who Sinatra recorded it with. I'm sure after the show you asked Alexa to play the album and realized it was Julio Iglesias rather than Charles Aznavour. Aznavour did participate on the album, however, in the recording of You Make Me Feel So Young. Sinatra was notoriously prickly in the making of the album. He specifically required that his duet partners not be present when he recorded his parts. After Sinatra finished his bit, the duet partners were asked to literally phone in their parts. And by that, I mean they actually sang their parts over the phone. Not exactly my idea of a duet, but what do I know? It ended up being Sinatra's best-selling single album in the United States. Personally, I prefer Songs for Young Lovers, which includes his unique take on I Get a Kick Out of You, but I'm old. I'm old, too, and I prefer that as well. From Nick Sharkey in Washington. Given that this is, and he wrote this December 31st. Given that this is the last show of the year, I thought about writing you a nice email to tell you how much enjoyment I get from the show and its cast of characters, and then I decided not to. <laughs> Don't read my name on the air because I wouldn't want the attractive single ladies in your audience to know I listen to this stupid show. From Dennis Bounds in Redmond, Washington. So you want people to stop sending you gifts? Well, here's my email. No gift included. Just this stinking email. But I did get myself something nice. Happy New Year. <laughs> good that's nice that is Our nice. people continue to send us things and we don't want them but yet it has been pointed out to me that i ask for things well right? there was an email that came in the latest batch and somebody said quoted you at the beginning of the show saying please don't send us anything else and then five minutes later we're like the gummy bear guy from indiana you can send us some of those so we are looking forward to getting well, those i thought that was important well it is important yeah. it's gummy bears and one more the Memphis Zoo was better than I expected. When you're ready to move on from DG, I'm DH. <laughs> Don Hammock, Biloxi, Mississippi. If you're out on your bike tight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Sayonara, sucker. Wow. 2022. I mean... It's a new year. song for the things we love to do i can take my love to town i can dance that old soft shoe we'll sail on wooden ships and we'll come and sail away we'll take the long way home where the magic dragons play we'll see fire on the mountain if i can't find my way home if we're running on empty and they take my coat of chrome We'll listen to the music if it's not done too soon When I'm walking on the dark side of the moon I am fixing up a hole where the rain is getting in I'm walking on the water and it might be a sin I'm under an umbrella when I'm sitting on the dock I'm smoking in the boys' room when we rock around the clock Buying me a stairway and I'm climbing it to heaven I need a hero with a jukebox when we play B10 plus 7 I'll meet you in the evening in the merry month of June When I'm walking on the shadows of the moon I'm loosening my load It's the same old song and dance When we had seasons in the sun And I'm never going back Cause girlfriend, we were born to run I 
really don't know clouds when I chase them from the sky. I can drive down in my Chevy to the levee when it's dry. The cat is in the cradle and it's with a silver spoon. When I'm walking on the mountains of the moon, I can't get no satisfaction when I paint my shelter black. My heart of glass might shatter when the chain gang brings me back. I'll cry with or without you, it is more than just a feeling. I'll be riding on my seesaw when I'm dancing on the ceiling. Will you take a chance on me? I think I'll take that bet. I'm the best thing that you ever had, and you ain't seen nothing yet. I'll be your diamond girl, you'll be my rocky raccoon. When I'm walking on the craters of the moon, Of a clown, I can catch you a grenade. I can cry on my guitar. I can think out loud. You're perfect. I'll play piano at John's bar. We will rock you on or bite the dust as crowds call out for more. I can run so far or skate away or look out my back door. My rubber band man plays, but he's always out of tune. When I'm kicking up the dust up on the moon. Unless you treat me like a lady, I won't come like Mama told me. I'll sit cross-legged out of doors so my radio can roll me. It will take you more than words to put a ring on single ladies, but I hear my train a coming. If you buy me a Mercedes, I won't get fooled again. When I hear the same old song, I'll take that midnight train to Georgia. If the right one comes along. Walking like I'm walking on the moon. 
Sun with us. 